our text again all across the globe. People are sharing in the reading of this from John 1. In the beginning there was Word. Word was first. Word was in God, and God was in Word. Word was of God, Word was God, and Word was with God from the beginning. Everything that was created was created by Word. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Word. And what came into existence was life. And that life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness and the darkness could not put it out. We have four accounts uh, we call gospels. They're the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's a distinction between Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels, gospels, which means they give a synopsis of the story of Jesus. John comes and gives a mystical interpretation of this experience that we had. John wrote late. He had some time, whoever the author was, had some time to reflect on this experience. Matthew, Mark, and Luke start off and say, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat Jesus. And here in this time, in this place, this person in this moment in history, there's a synopsis of this person's life. John says... There was a concept, he called it word, the concept of thought, the concept of idea, the concept of the very core epicenter of what it means to be human, and it existed. And then it showed up in the person of Jesus. And then later on, it showed up among us when we are together And he began to extrapolate this experience of the guy in the moment in history to a broader interpretation, a broader experience, a deeper understanding of what it means to live in this mystical moment. Well, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's the fourth week in which we are focusing on hope, the fourth week of reminding ourselves of grander truths. We remind ourselves of that which transcends the mundane dailiness of our lives. We remind ourselves to elevate our vision above our bank statements and above our jobs and above the routine of daily life. It's a time when we Reflect like John did on the divine intersecting the mundane. What is it to live a divine life in the midst of our everydayness? It's a time when we reflect on how our souls connect with the mystery that is at the very center of being human. This timeless rhythm that comes about every year at this time has been, by those who've gone before us, set aside to be a time of reflection. Now our culture has upstaged that by the frenzy that goes with Christmas parties and Christmas shopping and all the responsibilities that come with that. But we remind ourselves at this time anyway, because even if you do get caught up in all that busyness, which we all do, remember, because January is coming. And there is an importance about this setting aside a season for reflection. 
And the bigger questions we ask would be questions like, where do I come from? Where do I come from? And we can answer that question by saying we come from atoms and elements and carbon and hydrogen. We come from amniotic fluid and we come from DNA. We come from our family of origin with all of its problems and with all of its strengths. We come from our experiences of our education and of our work life, our preparation, the things that we've done. We can say that we come from these places or we can elevate our vision as John did in his text and add a deeper meaning to our experience. And Advent reminds us to do that. In the mystical language of our forebears, and their attempts to put into language that which cannot be contained in language, they say this, you and I, we come from divine word. You and I, we come from the breath of God. Now, we don't know what that means. We can't pin that down with concrete certitude, but it says something that is bigger about what it means to be human. Word spoke, and life came to be, and you partake in that life, and I partake in that life, and there is light that is embedded in that life. And so life and light are within you as life and light are within me. Because all that was spoken into being contains the breath of the divine. And when we elevate our vision beyond the mundane and we see beyond the practical daily mundane, it changes things. I come from the very breath of God. I come from that which was spoken forth of life and light. I come from the seed of love. I come from the divine desire for communion. I come from harmony. I come from God. I come from love. And embedded in your and my very being is something exalted, something transcendent. And during Advent, we think on this. During Advent, we reflect on the deeper dimension of what it means to be alive And if we reorient ourselves to an ancient truth, it changes us. If we begin to reflect on these core truths, it affects how we see ourselves, which in turn affects how we live out our days. How we do the mundane is affected by how we view our deeper realities. Where do we come from? Advent also invites us to think more deeply about other questions. Where are we going? Going to work tomorrow? Going to be married someday? Going to get this debt finally paid off? Going to go to the empty nest when the kids grow up? Going to retire? Going to go to this goal or that goal that we've set for ourselves? And all those things are true. And we can think about our lives and have that be the exclusive domain of that question, where am I going? Or Advent re minds us to think as John did more mystically, more transcendently. And one of the things that our story tells us is that you and I are going to a mystical feast one day, indulging in the yearnings of our beings. We're going to mystical union with divine life and light. We're going to be contained 
in that from which we come. We're going to a place of clear vision, no longer seeing through a dark, clouded glass, Paul says. We're going to mystical containment in ultimate truth and ultimate being. We're going somewhere. And Advent reminds us to remember this and to live differently. To think about our stresses and our problems differently because we remember from where we come. And we remember where we're going. Where we're coming from and where we're going when they're reflected in these bigger truths gives us dimension of perspective that we often miss when we narrow our vision to immediately what's in front of us. Advent reminds us that the ultimate is always here for the divine is always in us. Always in us, always moving around us, always uh, moving through us, always in every interaction, every moment. And this time of reflection where we remember who we are, where we come from, allows us to bring an ultimacy perspective to bear on the dailiness of our lives. These two seasons of the year, Advent and Lent, remind us to keep looking for the splendor that invades the gray shades of normalcy, the splendor that was present in a gritty manger and is present during a national tragedy, is present when we are personally shrouded in disappointment, when we can't shake the sense that our destiny is a dark one, that there is a divine reality that is present. Advent reminds us that lost hope can be restored because restoration is always available because of where we come from, because of where we're going. Broken souls can always be healed because of where we come from, because of where we're going. Destroyed hope can always be rebuilt and refurbished because of where we come from, where we're going. Advent reminds us to look up, to elevate our vision. Remember who we are. Remember where we come from. Remember where we're going. And every year we're invited to reorient ourselves to these spiritual, mystical realities. However, though we're reminded every year, twice, we rarely drain the cup of this great blessing. Often we don't even sip because we get busy. We get busy, life goes on, things need doing, and so rehearsing in our hearts and minds these great truths goes by the wayside because you have to fight the traffic around the mall, and you do have to deal with the family troubles, and you do have to fret over financial struggles, and you do have to run to finish this never-ending set of to-do lists. All that has to happen, and so consequently, the wisdom of the ancients that said a couple of times a year, take some time out and reflect, that gets forgotten. Now, we can't stop those things that intrude into our lives. They just do their intruding. It's especially difficult, as I said, during December. But we could set ourselves to remember to be people of reflection. A little bit now, 
a little bit more in January. When we lived in California, before we moved here, we lived on a long, straight street that led all the way in the valley, something or where I lived, it was called the San Fernando Valley. It was in Los Angeles. There, streets are straight, and they don't change their names. (laughs) When I moved to North Carolina, I thought, oh my Lord, what is wrong with you people? (laughs) You curve your streets and you change names for no particular reason. (laughs) Well, there's this one long, long road. It's called um, uh, Van Nuys Boulevard. Well, actually not Van Nuys. It's the one that comes this way. What's that one called, Grampy? Sherman Way. There's this one long way. Sherman Way. It runs all the way through the San Fernando. It's probably 25 miles long. And it ends right at Burbank Airport. And so the airplanes, when they decide that they're going to come in, they line up on Sherman Way. And they just start coming in, and they just land in Burbank. Well, we lived right underneath Sherman Way. <laughs> so the airplanes would come over us all day long. Probably one every 15 to 20 minutes. And after a while, we did not even hear the airplanes. I did not know that airplanes went over my head. Every once in a while, a military turboprop would come by. When that happened, it would shake dishes off of the counter. But that was only once a week or something like that. For the most part, didn't even hear those. The valley was a big, flat area, and it had mountains on both sides. And every once in a while, I would go up in the mountains for some exercise, and I would just walk around in the hills. And from where I was standing there, I could look down, and I could see Sherman Way, and I could see where my house was, and I could stand there, and I could watch the airplanes just come in. The difference was, where I was standing, it was silent. And it was in that moment of silence that I realized the noise that I constantly lived with that didn't even register in my mind that this was noise. And that gave me a perspective on what was happening to my mind and what was happening to my health and what was happening to my stress level because I was in this state of noise. And so when we moved to North Carolina, one of the things that we did first was figure out how to get as far away from RDU as we could. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a little bit of what Advent invites us to do. It invites us to go up on the hill and look at the noise that is a perpetual part of our lives and to see that which we normally just absorb and take in. The noise of the stresses, the noise of the mundane, the noise of the anxieties, the noise of all those things that when we elevate our vision to remember from where we come and where we are going, we take a breath and we reflect And then when we come back, we're more alert to and more more watchful of and we see how we can live more reflectively. We're coming into the beginning of a new year, a time when many people think about the seasons of their lives. And at that time, you can begin to prepare yourself. The gift of Advent can be the gift of an intentionality for a year that is before us. It's an invitation to make space in your life for the kind of quiet that allows you to see the soul noise that is constantly invading you. Because soul noise takes on all kinds of different shapes. You and I have been weaned in a culture that taught us self-dependence. And so you are taught not to be interdependent with others. And that creates a dynamic in your life that creates a lot of noise. 
You and I were taught a culturally imposed value system about what makes a good person, about what successful people do. There's all kinds of things that have been taught to us that create this tremendous amount of soul noise, and we need to go up on the mountain and watch it happen from a distance. You and I were taught that a good life is a rat race life. The busier you are, the more important you are. You and I carry around a list of oughts and shoulds and supposed tos, and we carry those things around often not even in our consciousness. And the quiet and the being away gives us a chance to reflect on those things. Why do I do that? Why do I live that way? Are those instincts true instincts? And carving out the space for reflection gives us time to assess our hearts. Over time, you will become hardened. It just happens. And time away allows you to loosen up the packed down hardness of our hearts. Over time, you get desensitized. Those divine whispers are always moving inside of us. And just living in this constant going, going reality, we live that desensitized life. And it gives us time to re-keen our senses. Creating quiet spaces like spiritual reading or the spiritual disciplines, these help us reflect on spiritual truth. The times of quiet, the times of meditation, the contemplative practices, all the things that we talk about. Well, during this Advent, I have been practicing what I'm preaching here. And I've been planning how my contemplative practices will shape up in the new year. How I'll reintegrate examine of consciousness, which we've talked about together. Where I'll be when I meditate each day. I have to make a plan for where I'll actually physically be located when I do that. Because my son is moving into the room that I typically use and things will shift and shape And Denise and I have been talking about our evening routine, thinking about time without media in the evenings that I can engage and she can engage in some simple practices, things we've talked about, like keeping a gratitude diary, writing a letter of appreciation, spiritual reading to reorient me to the bigger truths, sometimes just sitting by the fire and watching it with nothing to do but just offload my thoughts and decompress my thoughts. These kinds of quiet spaces make us available to see anew. They sensitize us to listen to the Spirit of God that indwells each of us, that inner voice that is always speaking. When I was young, I read stories to my kids, as I'm sure most parents do, and one of the stories that I recall these many years later was Winnie the Pooh. And one day, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet were walking through the Hundred Acre Woods, and it was a very, very windy day. The picture in the book that I was reading to the kids, I recall it because Piglet's ears were just streaming behind him because the wind was blowing so fiercely, and they're fighting their way up against these headwinds. And Piglet, being a very small and anxious animal turned to Pooh and asked rather nervously, supposing a tree fell down, Pooh, when we were underneath it. And after a pause, and after some careful thought, Pooh, being a somewhat wiser, 
and being somewhat less anxious, replied, well, suppose it didn't. And whose wisdom is the wisdom of Advent? Lift your eyes to a different dimension of life. So often we live under the imposing reality that we will be under the tree when it falls. Sometimes elevating our visions means we won't. Lift your eyes up beyond the lesser things that so easily consume us. There is more to life than the anxiety of falling trees. We are more than the struggles of our jobs. We are more than the worries about the kids. We are more than our loneliness. We are more than our fearfulness. Lift your eyes to see something bigger. In one of our ancient liturgies, in the psalm, the psalmist says in 121, lift your eyes. Lift your eyes to the divine. Lift your eyes to the Lord. Lift your eyes to the place from whence your help comes. The divine is always present. In this light and in this life that John speaks about, we are safe. In this context of where we come from and where we are going, we are safe. Lift your eyes to see it. You can afford to live beyond the mundane. You can afford to live beyond the trivial. And do these ancient exercises. Go up on the hill and watch in silence. Do this from time to time so you remember. So that you are resensitized. And when you do, you will find yourself able to stop stressing over the lesser things. You will find yourself able to live in a more elevated existence. Reflection on the ancient truths connects us to the divine life that is within us. And when this happens, we begin to see the world differently. And one of the things that we see differently is how much energy and how much time and how much bandwidth we spend worrying over, stressing over, and working over me and my and mine. When we live in the mundane, it is very difficult to look beyond the circle of my immediate concerns about me. Once Jesus told his followers what would happen if they lifted their eyes. And if they lifted their eyes, they would begin to see people out there. People, he said, like sheep who need a shepherd, who are wanting to find their true home. And they're waiting to be gathered in and they're waiting to be tended to and they're waiting to be cared for and they're waiting to be loved. If you've been watching our Facebook group over this last week, you probably, like me, so much appreciated the stories of compassion and care that others were showing one another on those groups. As we lift our eyes, we see a bigger world that is beyond our own concerns. And there's something about stepping into that broadened world that has this feedback loop. It begins to care for us as we get integrated in the broader reality of caring for others. As we lift our eyes, we see this bigger world, this world that is permeated with divine life and divine light and divine love. And we're able to step into the flow that moves in it. I especially appreciated the frankness of one of those stories about taking cookies to the police department. (laughs) 
There was part of me that wanted to cuss that grouchy desk lady. <laughs> Screw you, I wanted to say. I'll take my cookies to the fire department. <laughs> but another part of me, the story said, was tapped into that divine life. And when I lived from the latter, it elevated my perspective. It changed the dynamic. That little part of the world changed because I lived from a deeper reality. The invitation to reflect on the bigger truths changes us. The invitation to lift and elevate our eyes changes us. It changes us and it changes the world that we're part of. We remind ourselves of this grand mystical narrative that we live in. And we live differently. We get swept into the story of redemption that is going on around us. It was part of this life that Jesus demonstrated. It was part of this life that John spoke of. It is part of this word that existed before you and I exist and will exist long after we're finished existing. This process that is moving forward of life and light and truth and goodness. And if we elevate our vision, we get to see our own place in it. And we find ourselves in a repairing mode. Repairing the world as our own souls are being repaired. When we elevate our vision, selfishness becomes less and less pressing. It becomes less and less demanded because it becomes less and less needed. The fear from which selfishness comes becomes less and less dominant in our beings. We become freer and freer from it. And we see more and more broadly. When with an elevated vision, we challenge the anxieties that so often shrink us and give us focus on minor things that makes them major. Freed of that anxiety. There is a river of divine life that is flowing on this earth. There is a river of divine love that is flowing among us. And when we lift our eyes, we are invited to jump into that river. And to go with it. So, in the days between now and January, you might want to consider this simple practice that has its roots in the very ancient past. You might want to buy a Duraflame log. And you might want to put it in the fireplace. And you might want to burn it. And you might want to just sit there while it burns down. In the old days, there was an attaching of prayers to that log, and that became some decorations that became known as a Yule log. And it was the reworking of another ancient practice that was rooted in the desire for light in the midst of the darkest part of our days. And so it has an ancient past that people have constantly assigned meaning to fire. And you might consider that. Setting aside an evening putting a fire in the fireplace and doing something simple and decompressing while you watch that fire burn down. Maybe you'll just watch the flames and have some quiet while it burns down. Maybe you'll write a letter. Maybe you'll start a gratitude list. Maybe you could practice, examine Maybe you could write out a series of prayers that are hopes of the deeper parts of your being. 
Maybe you could just do a data dump of all your worries and all your anxieties and all the stresses and you put them all on a piece of paper and then you just hold them before the divine. But I would encourage you, even in this busy, busy season, to take some time out, to take a quiet space out and begin to set an imprint that says, this is how my days will go. I'll make this a place. I'll make this a space. And I'll remember where I come from. And I'll remember where I'm going. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be elevated. I pray that our hearts would be reoriented. I pray that we would see differently. In Jesus' name, amen.